Hey, it's Joseph. On this episode, my audio is a little bit off. That's my fault. I made a mistake about what was feeding my audio line. Point is, I have been punished uh, with uh, three months in Juggalo prison, and I promise it won't happen again. But don't worry, you'll be able to hear me in this episode. Welcome to the Ninja Please, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm the co-host, Peter. This is so weird. So Peter and I are trying something a little different. We are uh, simulcasting ourselves via uh, Google Hangouts so that we could get like better timing with each other. So I could see like when he's gonna talk and I'm gonna talk. And now I'm like seeing his like dark and spoopy man cave right now with like no lighting in the background. It's it's uh it's neat. You got a good vibe there uh, in your in your uh, zone, Peter. I see all the kid toys in the background. Oh it's yeah, good. yeah, it's uh, children's palace behind me. Oh, Joe. <sighs> <laughs> I I felt like I needed to talk about something other than Star Trek with you for a second because season four has been unkind, and it did not get better with this episode. And I want to apologize to you. Because I told you, oh, the season's uneven, but it's mostly good. But And I, I, fir- I stand firm that it does get better, and there are great episodes to come. But uh, I underestimated how much of this was garbage. Boy, howdy, Joe. It is, <laughs> it is a rough season. Like, I'm trying to think back the good stuff, and we had uh, Year of Hell. And there was some Kess stuff, and I <laughs> I think there was the Seska holodeck episode. That was and in then, a prior season. <laughs> was it? That was season three. Yeah. Was it really that far ago? Because we're in we're in the season four, episode thirteen now, and um there's a lot of stuff I just sit there and scratch my head. I'm like, what what the hell was this episode about? Oh ooh. Ooh. That's I got I gotta see this one which is titled Waking Moments, uh, is far and away more enjoyable than having watched uh, uh, Concerning Flight. Because that one's on my mind because we just put that episode out. Yeah. Uh, and I liked the one we did uh, just most recently, Mortal Coil, obviously. You you were not I'm as not high on it as I Coil. was. But, yeah. but it, was, it was a good Neelix-focused episode. But, um, you know... Concerning Flight was bad and unenjoyably bad and, like, physically difficult to watch, whereas uh, this was fun to watch and it was fucking terrible. So it's very feature pleasing I suppose, is the right way to put it. I woke up. I went to bed super early last night, like 930, because I've been working my ass off. I woke up at 645 this morning and I said, you know what, I'm just going to watch the episode this morning since I didn't get a chance to see it last night. And it was weird seeing Star Trek that early in the morning, and I was concerned that uh, I wasn't going to be able to stick with it. But I don't think it was that bad of an episode. And certainly listening to Concerning Flight in the car ride over remind me how bad Voyager can really get. So I was like, maybe Waking Moments was like better than I was willing to give it credit for. And I, I think I think we need to talk about it. I need to explore some feelings and flesh some stuff out with you here. 
Speaking of things that are fleshed out, see, that was actually a good intro there, uh, is that uh, we start this episode with a series of vignettes that I think are very clearly supposed to be dream sequences, you know, essentially straight away, that they're like a different heightened kind of reality type of situation. I mean, they try to fool you in the beginning because they all start off reasonably enough. I did my freeze frame that I normally do. I don't think we've ever given Voyager credit for having really nice hallways. Hall- like, but what? What? The hallways. I, I, they, they put a lot of detail work, I think, into the hallways. I think Voyager as a show is very proud of its hallways. It's got some long hallway sets. And uh, I was rewatching TNG, and I don't think any of the other series really have hallways even half as nice as voyager which might be why we get so many walk and talk scenes in them they probably cost a lot of money listen nothing can touch cardassian hallway well here, it, know, it's a voyager set piece man there you go man we haven't no, had voyager. That was, that, we haven't had a cardassian hallway call out in probably a year but remember we found out that that was actually a reuse from uh like one of the movies motion picture or something like that. I think motion or picture undiscovered and used, country. I think it was Yeah, Star Trek five. It was like, uh, the hallways that like were the enterprise a, yeah. Yeah. So, so we're in this dream sequence and, uh, we get around to Tuvok, and the bridge calls him instantly. I'm struck by two things. One, Tuvok is a very light sleeper. If he's able to wake up on the first time someone rings, which makes me wonder if, Vulcans are the space elves we've been led to believe where they don't really sleep. They just meditate. Uh, and two, when he pulls the covers down and we see like his bare chest, I'm like, damn, Tuvok sleeps naked. That's I guess that's one thing we have in common. <laughs> <laughs> I One thing that we do not have in common with Tim Russ circa uh, what, 1998 uh, is that he was hitting the gym. Yeah, uh, that man, that man, he had a swimmer body. You know, like he was uh, doing a lot of laps. Well, what and, happened uh, was, you see, after Tuvok got his ass beat by two J.C. Penny employees <laughs> back in uh, <laughs> the Grinder episode, he had to double down on his gym routines and brush up on his Vulcan jujitsu or whatever we're supposed to believe he's a master of. I still can't believe that fucking episode. Everything we're supposed to know about Tuvok is what a badass he is in a fight. He's an archer. He knows... uh you know, Vulcan karate and uh, Krav Maga or whatever. And then, yeah, some some horny dudes just beat the shit out of him and take him down like sad. Uh, but no, yeah, he's Jack, man. You've got his little scene where he essentially goes to the bridge. And as what he's uh, walking through the corridors, everybody's kind of like looking at his dong smiling because he's uh, having. Did, the- did you read the memory alpha for that bit? Apparently, he had the props department make him a comically large dong to wear as part of that sequence. So imagine, if you will, the idea that Tim Russ is shooting these scenes where Tuvok is naked walking around the ship. And IRL, he is like a giant prosthetic penis flopping around. It's like a tall boy. (laughs) I just love like, you know, these guys are as shitlordy as you could imagine when it comes to like playing pranks on their coworkers and that sort of thing. You have to be. So he's like, 
Yeah, so you're like, well, I'm going to have to be shoot these scenes. I'm going to be, like, you know, mostly naked and all this other stuff. So I'm going to take advantage of the situation. I'm going to have the props guys make me a turbo dick. And I'm going to wear <laughs> that shit around. <laughs> and, uh, you know, flop it around at people. Do helicopter dick at people. It'll be great. Sure. That sounds like a good, uh, good day at work. So he's having his Tuvok goes to work naked dream. Uh, Janeway has a dream where she walks into the mess hall and at first I thought it was going to be like Neelix is actually a creepy serial killer and has been murdering the crew <laughs> and cannibalizing him. But That'd be it's too the, cool for the show. Way too cool. And I, Neelix is wearing like this little clown outfit. It's a bunch of pastel colors. Like it's one of the uglier outfits we've seen him in in a while. But no, the crew is all dead and covered in cobwebs and, you know, decrepit looking like uh, they took a trip to space cougar planet where Harry Kim's energy vampires drain people. Moral of the story there is that she took too, that's her fear. You know, she took too long and didn't get anybody home. Tom's crashing a shuttle and is going to just, you know, die in a death trap like so many others before him. And then of course the, the real uh, nightmare, the piece of resistance of the uh, dream sequence is uh, Harry Kim gets invited into a Jeffrey's co- t- uh, tube to, make out with seven of nine, which that had to be Garrett Wang's like favorite day going to work his entire fucking life. To be fair, that would have been my favorite day of work too. <laughs> we give these. Can you imagine talk- looking at like, get the script, right? Mm-hmm. You get the script for the episode. You're Garrett Wang. You open it up and you see like, I'm going to get a whole fucking day where I get to make out with Jerry Ryan in a skin like, tight is- cat suit. Like, Wow, I've been complete and utter trash this entire season because I was supposed to die last season and I only got preserved for God knows what reason. Maybe it's because Jennifer Lean wouldn't date Sovac or what was it? What was his name? Ensign Vorick. <laughs> uh, Vorick, yeah. Jerry uh, Ryan's, uh, or no, Jerry Taylor's nephew. Uh, son, yes. No, son. Oh, was it son? Ooh, even worse. Yeah. But you know what? Season four, episode 13, one of the weaker points of the season. I get to just grind up on Jerry Ryan like a plus great season, best season ever. I didn't think I would be able to care any less about a romance (laughs) other than Tom Paris and Bellana until I remembered back to the Tom Paris Kess Neelix love triangle, which was super fucking terrible. And every time I saw I was like, God, can this be over already? That, of course, has been dethroned by this fucking Harry Kim 7 thing. Just stop. It is so cringy every time I have to say, like, good for Garrett Wang that he got to get up on that. You know, high five. I'm I'm happy for you as an actor, I guess. But (laughs) I'm tired of fucking seeing this. And when I sit there and I see that we left Kess and her engaging, thoughtful, appropriate, good stories left in the fucking dust. And all we have is leftover Harry Kim. And this is all he's really brought to the season is this goofy romantic foil for seven that nobody asked for and nobody wants. It's only there so they can have Jerry Ryan do sexually provocative things for ratings. That's the unfortunate truth. Here's right? the love I mean, triangle. It's obvious. Want. Yeah, but here's a love triangle I want. Okay, here's a love triangle I'd care about. Tom finally gets Bellana. He thinks he's happy. And then hot ass seven pops up 
and she starts trying to home wreck. And that's where you're getting the hostility between Bolana and Seven from. And Tom's got to make a decision. Do I go after the new hot blonde or do I really try to clean up my game and, and, and become a better person? That would create actual character development, would actually uh, tell more of the story that you want to tell with these characters, you know, evolving, and maturing and that sort of thing. I completely agree. This is just we want to have Jerry Ryan uh, win her skin tight suit, uh, make out, uh, tell uh, a character to take off their clothes, constantly close talk and try and build this pseudo sexual tension that we hope will entertain and titillate uh, the demo that we're going for to watch the show. That's it. That's entirely what it's here for, which is why this just kind of eventually just goes away. Yeah, but I mean, it's again, it's the focus on Harry Kim. Again, I, it was the guys in uh, People versus Star Trek Voyager that first proposed it. But I do think that they were right when they said that it feels like Harry Kim was supposed to be another Wesley Crusher and that you should have some 17 or 18 year old wet behind the ears ensign playing this and not a full grown adult man who's just like a man child. I think you're right. Seems correct. Anyways, so there's all these dreams going on, and that the conclusion of all these dreams, once they take a hard twist, uh, Janeway seeing the crew dead, the shuttlecraft starting to descend onto the planet uh, with Tom driving it. Seven of nine suddenly th- taking actual sexual interest in Harry Kim. <laughs> Truly the most unbelievable hard twist of them all. Uh, what happens is that a alien creature comically appears in screen right like an alien creature is in the jeffrey in the, in the uh, turbo lift with tuvok while he's naked uh you know it the seven of nine turns into one of the aliens uh a alien just kind of creeps up on the on like the nose of the shuttlecraft and like looks in at tom like I, that was my I favorite you. i thought <laughs> i thought it was like a big giant ass like super star destroyer sized man that he was uh driving towards that suddenly walked in front of the sun these aliens they look like they're yellow and they've got like this crescent face like a moon kind of and i don't know what it is about like the prosthetic teeth they've put in these guys but the way they hold their head and the way they look it looks like napoleon dynamite to me (laughs) did you get that vibe at all they just kind of looks like no it's like chin tuck like ooh. i'll post some pictures i i think i i get what you're saying i do get it now that you say it but it is not what i initially thought uh they bear like you know every passing resemblance to some of the other kind of weird you know alien races we've seen i didn't really connect them with anything specific i will say that the idea behind this race is just stupid usually i'm the guy who's like Oh, that was a cool idea, but they just kind of fucked it up, right? Like, I think I've said that of, the, of our 81 episodes probably 64 times at this point. I'm willing to, like, oh, cool idea, bad execution. Like, I'll give, like, a tiny bit. Yay, here's your C-. minus. Go fuck yourself. But these guys, this idea is fucking dumb. They're a race that exists only in dreams. And in the real world, you, they're they're sleeping. And it's like, what? Like, what? what? Well, we're starting to jump ahead here a bit, but... If they were a race that existed only in a parallel dimension and for whatever reason in this region of space, 
subspace is thin or whatever. So yes, people in the dream state cross in and it damaged. Remember the next gen episode where uh the speed limit. Yeah. No, I get that. Fucking that awesome would be cool. Episode. And like this part of yeah. space, it's goofy and dreamers destroy their area and that's why they're pissed off. But but yeah, the fact that they do have a real form and they're just dudes sleeping on a planet and and fucking with people. I'll I'll get I'll let my claws out on that when we get deeper in the episode. The big takeaway for me in this beginning sequence is uh, I like seeing people's personal quarters. I always think it's interesting who's important enough that they have a room that has like exterior windows and who are the scrubs that have to live in the windowless areas. Uh, And I have to question Tuvok's choice of putting his bed right up underneath the windows. That seems real dangerous and at the very least very inconvenient (laughs) when you're like, a system with a bright sun and the ships facing that direction. I don't see any Venetian blinds on those windows, Joe. <laughs> well, you got to expect they've got auto dimmers. I mean, I've never seen century. it. I have never well, seen never, these dimmers. You've never seen a bathroom. Don't be that guy. No, we have seen bathrooms. Those beautiful sinks that pop out of the wall. I'm sorry. You've never seen a toilet. Don't be that guy. Never seen a toilet in Star Trek. It's a whole meme. Never, ever. Uh, you're wrong, because when Neelix additionally, initially came on the ship, he replicated all that food, and then he was in the bathroom floating around in that big body of water. And as he's a big piece of shit, I'm going to have to assume that that was actually the toilet. <laughs> all right. Well, point is, everybody wakes up. Everyone has a little moment with all the other characters where they put together that everybody had a freaky dream with the weird alien in it, right? It's... It takes an inordinate long amount of time for them to come around to it, but eventually, like, they all get to the bridge to, like, start their day. They're like, I had a weird dream. It had this weird alien in it. Oh, I did, too. Oh, I did, too. Chakotay, like, talks about how he was, like, went deer hunting. And I stopped and I said, thank you, God, for not making me watch this dream with Chakotay's fucking dad. What a merciful episode that we were not subjected to the one thing that I wanted the very least. Uh... We also see the triumphant appearance of Bolana's hide the fact I'm prego lab coat. Yeah, uh, here it is. And get used to it. She wears it the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, it's got like little uh, pocket protector. Mm-hmm. So like her space screwdrivers. It, yeah, I mean, they, they try. I mean, you know, I buy I'm, it. Look, man, there's it's better than her always hiding behind a banister, which has kind of been what's happened up to this point. And it was funny as I saw a, you know, uh, Roxanne Dawson's got an active Twitter presence. Does she? She's still, yeah. And she's still a, uh, she does a lot of TV direction. That's like what she does. Uh, and, you know, she, uh, her daughter's now 21. <laughs> so, you know, this is, this is her wow. daughter that we're seeing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Joe, you should invite her to watch our podcast. <laughs> I I have like added her a few times but uh i doubt i'll ever get her attention let's, but that's go, okay. let's go after we... her daughter then <laughs> mom these I, guys are not... talking mad I, I, shit I, about I... you you got to get on here and fight them on twitter so uh actually we've you know what we're really nice to roxanne dawson because her acting when she turns her acting on when she has like our solo episodes we're always like roxanne dawson is good in this yeah the rest of the episode has problems. The problem is not her. She's maximum effort. Joe, so, you can't walk yeah. our nasty words back, all right? There, she's going to see the back shit. episodes. She'll, she'll know. Okay. Um, Fair. 
So, uh, so, 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 how many times have we had a situation where the crew has fallen victim to dream games? Because I feel like it's not, you know, what? to the point of like someone's caught in the clink or uh, a shuttlecraft accident. But I think we've had a couple of these now where they get fucked within their dreams. Just one, just that one where Cass uh, had to like psychically assault the just random fuckboy alien that was just. The demi uh, like locking, yeah, the demi Q that was like locking them in, you know, like these wish fulfillment dream states. Roxanne, Balana's uh, sexy time dream of Chakotay. That's correct. I like that. It was a lot of sexy time dreams yeah. in that one. But yeah, that was the one where Cass basically just had to like psychic assault it and use her Super Saiyan powers for the first time. Maybe it's a... that's the only time they've been fucked with him, like quote unquote dreams. Mm. I'll have to go back and consult my notes, but I feel like it. Oh, I guess Bolana. Yeah, Bolana specifically had the remember me with Senator Kelly. Yes, where she was, she was having sexy dreams. Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of times, there's sex in these dreams, and there's sex in the dreams here too. Wow, Voyager, they're very horny there. That's okay. because it's the best way to have your characters hook up. But it was all a dream, and we don't have any baggage. Uh, what we do have though is that Harry Kim is not woken up. And eventually they go to his quarters to see, like, Janeway and Tuvok themselves. We find that he is not sleeping with a mask, which apparently he is. Yeah. That's character development. Yeah. Well, how about that? I, that's, I would say that's a, a continuity issue, not character development. And then flat as a board, though. So that part is true. Yes. We, there, we did have one scene before this, and I want to give credit where credit's due. Because Bolano, who had been working third shift, gets off. She's knocking on Paris's door. And she's pissed that he stood her up for breakfast. I think this was probably the best uh, scene in the episode. And normally I can't stand. I mean, we already shit on it once this episode. I can't stand the Tom Paris Bellana stuff. But I think in very small, concentrated bursts, they can have good chemistry. As long as it's not the primary focus of an episode. Because also Year of Hell, where uh, he was overly concerned about her and like kind of neglecting his duties on Earth. It works. Uh, I did notice, though, that he was really pushing the he wanted to do their date night going skiing somewhere. And if you will remember back to the um, the sad sack episode. That Klingons hate the cold, like what a dick move, man. <laughs> you know that your girlfriend is racially predisposed to like hating the cold. And you're like, let's go. go. No, Tom, how about you go swim in fucking lava and see how you like it? Like, not cool. dude. You're being a dick. I- uh, I uh, I I think the mode that you're talking about with him that makes them tolerable is when they have like real moments. Yeah, you know, like oh hey, you know, I you and I have both been through as uh, in our relationships of one person is working a different shift than the other, and you don't see them very often. That's where I'm know, at with my wife right now. Maybe that's why that's spoke yeah. to me so much. We have uh, yeah, like I know that Casey works you know odd hours. I know you know Stevie works different hours. Than I do like. And sometimes, like today, for example, she's right now working, and I'm here, and I, you know, I probably only saw her for like an hour today. It's hard, and so like, yeah, it is, and so you see that on TV reflecting these characters, and you're like, I identify with that, and then you identify with the scene, and I think too often they don't bring it down to something you can identify with, and it just becomes kind of Bleh. like, uh, you know, it's like. I don't get to see a lot. We're going to do something. We're going to pick a date night. Tom's like, let's go skiing. I know you hate the cold. I tell my wife, let's watch Voyager because I know she hates Star Trek. You know, you relate to things. 
I, you know, uh, Stevie watched this one with me. She did not abscond with the dog. I'm sorry to hear about that, Joe. (laughs) Well, no, she was there for me, you know, as moral support. I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to hear that, that Stevie had to sit through this. Uh, (laughs) so, you know, they, they find out that there is this alien presence in everybody's dream. Nobody has any good stories. Uh, they're all nightmares. And then they don't really start taking it serious until they find, like you said, Harry hasn't woken up yet. And apparently he's not the only member of the crew who has now been trapped in a dream coma. Yeah, the doctor specifies like, no, they're they're not in a coma. They're asleep. And for whatever reason, medical science that should wake them up doesn't. At this stage in the episode, because later in the episode, that medical science wakes people up just fine. (laughs) Uh, So... uh, the the part to me that is just hilarious is that they have a confab to discuss what's going on here. So they're not at the conference table. They're just kind of like gathered around a view screen talking about it. And immediately, immediately, Chakotay's like, well, looks like we got a real pickle here. These are clearly dream aliens. So we have to use my mystical dream warrior powers and that's where i that, hit the wall said, <laughs> that is our only option is to revert to my mystical dream warrior powers <laughs> and it's like what what whoa 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 bro <laughs> we just figured out there's possibly some aliens maybe they're trying to contact us one of our people some of our people can't wake up it's a little weird and we are just scratching the surface of what's going on, and you're here with your hippity jibbity saying that you want to take a whole bunch of Indian dick drugs so that you can like go be Freddy Krueger. What the fuck is wrong with you? What what is this? But now everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. He, you know, I, I just thank the powers that be for not subjecting me to a Chakotay dream sequence with his dad, and then I realize, oh, Chakotay got dre- cheated out of a dream. Because he's going to be in a dream the whole rest of this episode as like the primary focus. And whereas in Mortal Coil, I praise Chakotay as kind of like the MVP, like he's got the spirituality, he's got vision quests, he's got all this other stuff we established in season one, season two, it dropped out in season three, and then season four, they brought it back in. And it's like, okay, continuity, cool. He's not the focus. He's helping Neelix with it. He works as kind of a spirit guide, but this is almost like back. No, it is back to back because Mortal Coil was our last one, right? So that's two yeah, episodes yeah. in a row where he's breaking out the hand vibrator drugs. And and it's the exact opposite of what he was last time, which is last time it was realistic where he was, you know, trying to help uh, Neelix help himself that this his mysticism was not in, in itself an answer, but just a way for you to access your subconscious to maybe find answers within. Like it was his his uh, religious beliefs were treated with a level of respect and realism. And it, it wasn't some weird like aliens from New Jersey who secretly visited Earth and the rubber tree people. It wasn't like some stupid ass bullshit, you know, fake Indian bullshit flute. It was cool because you could kind of you kind of bought what what happened. And then they go to this episode where literally he has special dream warrior powers. They're like, Chakotay, I don't know about this. He's like, no, it's cool. I just watched um, 
damn it. And what was the fucking Leo DiCaprio movie with uh, the horn? Oh, Inception? Inception. Oh, yeah. Because I got to watch <laughs> Inception. <laughs> I got this, guys. I, I, I'm going to go Inception on this. And they're like, uh, yeah, okay, sure. Whatever. Let's. Uh, we'll put you under and uh, off you'll go. Before we go deeper, there was another detail that really stood out to me in all this. When Janeway and Chakotay initially go to like track down Harry Kim, did you notice Janeway actually like physically knock on the door to get into Harry's room? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was seemed like it was a courtesy. Hey, you know, if you're actually awake, now's the time to open the door. Before This I is the most open. security I've ever seen in the ship. And we're going to talk about Harry Kim's sexual deviancy. OK, I have never seen crew quarters locked to the point where they like they hit the code to the button. It doesn't work. And. Tuvok actually has to initiate a security override to get in there. We have never ever, to the point where we laugh about it, the doors just aren't locked on the ship. Harry's personal quarters are locked while he is in there. Which, what is he doing that justifies a door being locked? Like, how much of a mess is he making in there with himself? <laughs> or, you know, we, we don't live in the post-scarcity society anymore. Like, has this evil maki influence on the ship really escalated out of control is there like petty theft now and people going and like stealing each other's tvs or space rocks or whatever they have in there i think that'd be a good episode just like a petty theft problem on voyager that detective tuvok has to crack that'd be a detective tuvok story i'd be interested in i just think that harry doesn't want any witness necessarily to walk in while he's furiously masturbating but I just think that if Detective Tuvok went in there with the black light, it would be a war crime. <laughs> God, just I hope that's blood. <laughs> uh, so, uh, like, Chakotay Dream Warrior, like, you know, gives himself, like, a, a dream safe word of seeing Earth's moon to know that he's dreaming. It's some uh, is real made-up bullshit. I, so let's talk about that for a second. He identifies that his... that this is all a product of lucid dreaming, that he is able to bring himself under that he can guide his own dreams and that he has built in this device in his lucid dreaming where he can tap the back of his hand three times and it will, this will trigger and and pull him out of the dream. I don't remember him ever mentioning anything to Janeway about the moon. I don't think that he, no, no, he did. He said it to somebody. He definitely said it to somebody. I don't know if he said it in that scene or he said it in sick bay more generally, but he definitely spoke aloud that yes, I will use a visual cue of the earth's moon as my dream safe word to know I'm in command of the dream. That stinks because I thought that it was like a legit manifestation of his faith that like somehow the moon had appeared in a position where it didn't belong and guided him to safety that, if he called it out specially as a uh, intended mechanic of this lucid dream adventure he's in, then that makes it lame. I, I thought there was like some legit faith going on in there. So whatever. But nah, he said that specifically. This show could never be that clever. Come on. That, that's a disappointment. Cause I, I thought that was the only clever thing that they, they did here. Um, the doctor expresses his concerns about this. Janeway and uh, Chakotay tell him to fuck off. And they put him under and uh, we get Chakotay roaming the halls of Voyager with a spear in hand and he is tracking down a deer. And he mentioned earlier that his dad, the dream he had was with his dad who was hunting a deer and 
So this is kind of th- that dream picking back up. He ends up in the mess hall. We see the moon out the window. The deer runs out into the hallway and then it has this like terrible mid 90s morphing effect where the deer turns into this Napoleon Dynamite alien and then goes to put hands on Chakotay. <laughs> the the fucking morphing effect is the classic. It's it's a very classic visual effect that Trek had basically has, I think, has been using for 10 years at this point. Like when you think about like uh, the effect of the founders from DS9, it's very similar uh, whenever they have these gooey alien types, they've been using the same fucking effect. I don't know if they just bought that shit from ILM <laughs> on like on some kind of fucking discount rates. It's and just like we bought a hundred uses. We were only able to get through sixty on DS Nine. We got to get our money's worth. So yeah, have uh have the deer turn into Napoleon Dynamite. It'll be great. And uh, you know it, the daily is like, oh, you know you're dreaming, and it's this very stereotypical like. Oh yes, I am Chakotay the Dream Warrior. I am, I am aware of your world, but he also like you know attempts to reason with them, which fits the, the that, diplomat role that Chakotay likes to fancy himself in. Does not join them. He does not co-opte. This which, is a rare non-co-opte episode. As a matter of fact, we'll get into it later. I found Chakotay to be exceptionally hostile in this episode, whereas normally he's a big pacifist. Like at the end, he's willing to basically commit genocide, which struck me odd. Um, While he is asleep, the doctor makes a suggestion that they start distributing cocaine to the rest of the crew. So everybody gets supercharged and nobody else nods off and becomes susceptible to this um, this uh, this coma effect that has plagued Harry and a couple of the other guys. How did you feel about Chakotay being the choice to go in here? I thought that for some reason, Tuvok, given his guided meditation and everything else, would have felt like a better fit for this little adventure, especially with his psychic abilities. Yeah, he has psychic abilities. He's probably like the logical mind is able to separate itself from the actions of its subconscious. You think that and, and I think not necessarily like Chakotay is a bad choice. It's just that the setup is that he just volunteers that he's a dream warrior and therefore he should get to do this cool thing. Yeah. Rather than them maybe finding out like, you know, researching what the hell they could do to fight against these things, then discovering like this technique and then Chakotay is like, oh, well, this was something that my like ancestors did. So this might be something I'm suited to do. You know, I'll use, you know, like my alien dick drugs. And that's going to help me like get into the state to do that. And so like that he's more reluctant slash novice like instead of like, I am ready. I am ready to confront these aliens on their turf with my secret powers. So he's in the dream. Uh, he's hunting this deer. It turns into Napoleon Dynamite. Diplomat. I, I don't know if the alien charges him first or if he actually tries to throw a spear at this dude or what, but uh, Napoleon Dynamite comes up, puts hands on Chakotay, starts strangling him, and eventually Chakotay like, mounts him from behind. And we have yet another alien race that can't spill the beans quick enough. And we've talked about this the past several episodes. I finally made my Hall of Fame of the quickest confessors of all time. Cause as soon as he gets the upper hand in this fight, the guy's like, Oh, uh, we're, we're dream people, but we're really weak in real life. And you guys always fuck us up. So we're going to hold you all in dreams and kill you all and fuck you. And I'm like, Whoa, dude, way to spill the beans early on. So in my little hall of, <laughs> and, and, 
And the fact that, as we'll discover later, there was no reason for him to admit all of these things At all. because of like the the double deep game they end up playing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you could have just lied, bro. <laughs> like You didn't actually have to tell them the truth that you guys are all like a bunch of weaklings in IRL. <laughs> like, left that part out. And also to that fact, like, Chakotay twists his arm behind his back. But if those guys are in control of the dreams, that wouldn't have actually hurt that guy, right? So it's not like he was under real physical duress. He just spilled yeah. the beans for no goddamn <laughs> reason also. So let me give you the Hall of Fame of the biggest snitch, okay? Okay. Uh, first of all, I'm going to give an honorable mention to Crewman Jonas, who's <laughs> menacing Grimace while brandishing plasma torches over Neelix's shoulders. Uh, was a clear admission to the viewer that he was a dirty bad boy, <laughs> but he never actually made an in-character admission to anybody. So we've got... Uh, Lon Suter, who rolled over oh, yeah. on himself to Detective Tuvok at the drop of a hat. But but he did it so that he could brag. So, you know, our boy Fair Lon enough. gets a little bit of a pass. Fair enough. We had the uh, shoot terrorist children who quickly uh, acknowledged himself as part of the rebel terrorists that wanted to, like, dirty bomb everybody on the surface. And we're happy to, you know, let... Uh, Harry and, and and Paris pay for their little thing. And then, uh, of course, we've got the Random Thoughts grinder merchant who <laughs> went right to the chief of security for the ship whose crew member was in prison because of his little black market vile thoughts thing and said, oh, yeah, we uh, we have a thriving black market for like strangle porn. <laughs> the admitted chief security officer. Like, yeah. That was He's how he introduced himself. Like, I'm the chief security officer on Voyager. I'm the cop yeah. of the space people. But right up there, we're putting uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Like, yeah, we catch people in their dreams and fuck them up, but stay away from our planet because you could you could beat us up real bad. Um, Chakotay, after hearing about this, starts what's, what's going to become a pattern of threats through this thing. Like... Uh, I got the upper hand here. I'm a dream warrior. You're going to tell me what I want to know because I got control here. And if you don't give me what I want, you're not going to like what happens. I was like, whoa, what Chakotay is this? Like, this is not Mr. Pacifist. Uh, This is not the guy who tries to leave every hostile situation on his back, slithering away while peeing himself. Where was this guy when he was on Predator Planet? You know, like schooling up like the new kid. You know, instead he's like, oh, you should be just you should just try and extend a hand of friendship to the people who are raping your moms and shit. And uh, yeah, Uh, apparently he only shows up when he's a dream warrior. So he bullies this guy and this guy's like, "Uh, you know, what? well, why don't you just get out of our space? And and if you leave, then we'll leave you alone. And you got to go to a system that has six planets. And that's the uh, that's the border of our space. You get past that and you're okay." And Chakotay's like, fine, bitch. See you later. Taps his wrist. He pops out, tells the captain they lay in a course and they speed out of there. In my opinion, we should have just called episode off there or switched into the B storyline. Like this seems like a realistic and good Starfleet encounter, right? Some goofy, kooky shit, a little bit of diplomacy. The understanding gets hammered out. And wow, that was weird. Let's get that in the log. We're done. 
had it not been for the fact I looked at the jogger at the bottom of Netflix and saw that we were at the 15 minute mark, I would have said this is a pretty complete episode. We saw some funny, inter- you know, <laughs> dreams or whatever. Right? And and that's it. Story over. I'm good with this. Give me some some Borg talk or something. But no, the writers have uh, predictably more bad news in store for Voyager. They get to the planet that they uh, agreed to go to, which, again, they thought was the border of the space. And immediately ships start uncloaking or whatever and attacking Voyager and Voyager starts getting its ass wrecked. Again, we've seen situations like this before where key systems start going down. The enemy has an impossible upper hand and it doesn't dawn on anybody that like unrealistic things are happening. Maybe someone's fucking with us psychically. It's worth pointing out that like they get there, Harry wakes up, they have like all these awkward, like Jim Halper turned to camera moments where they're talking about their dreams, you know, like Jane ways in the, in the turbo lift talking to Tuvok about what his dream was. And he like, it basically explains in reverse what happens saying he was naked. She's kind of like, you know, I did like has that awkward comedy beat. I did like, uh, Bellana when Harry comes back down uh, to the mess hall and you know he had just been embarrassed because he was going to tell the doctor oh in my dream uh, you know I was humping seven of nine but she walks through the door and scares him away or whatever uh, while they're down in the mess hall when he walks in Bellana's like oh if it isn't sleeping beauty and I had to wonder if that was an actual rib at Garrett Wang because he had just been voted for times 50 most beautiful people which is what they accredit his character to surviving for. And I'm like, hmm, that's clever. If, if that's what that was. I do like that. It, it bleeds into the, the fact that those characters have had a long standing sort of like brother, sister type of relationship, sure. kind of giving yeah. each other shit. And, uh, which I'd like to know. see more of, honestly. Yeah. Same. Like, this is the sort of thing that you kind of, we talked about earlier with the time with a lot of stuff, like, when it feels real and it feels like it's an extension of like the development as characters, it's cool. Um, I think I would have actually preferred to see Bellana end up with Harry over Tom. I think that would have been a more interesting dynamic. I don't think it would have been. I think that Tom, like if you're just judging it based on the characters, like Tom Paris evolving from loner bad boy who don't give no fucks about nothing uh and you know is basically a career fuck up uh turns into a you know spouse and family man who cares about like the crew and his place and his career and all of that is very cool very neat i like that arc um it feels like if you'd put her with harry instead like i guess I'm biased against it because we don't know it. Like Harry's so underdeveloped for the whole run of the show. I'm like, what would that be like? I don't fucking know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think it would have Harry been a chance have a for him to grow with an assertive woman who has shared interests. But let's let's jump back into this boring ass episode. Uh, they Man. start getting jumped when they reach the destination, which should have been the end of the border. Things are not going to their favor. Weapon systems aren't working. There's all sorts. They're of... beaming right right on. Well, the ship. even before no they problem. beam on the ship, it's like. Get the fuck out of there. Like, you've got no reason to stick around. And and that made me wonder on a bigger level, there's a lot of fights that Voyager gets in that it doesn't really need to be there for. Like, Janeway standing there kind of stroking her chin like, hmm, all right, well, if they want to fight, let's give them a fight. Like, 
no, fuck that. You've got no vested interest in this solar system. You're not protecting anybody. You've got a, a superior attacking force. Just warp the fuck out of there, man. Don't stick around and get your ass beat. But that's what they do. And like you said, the aliens start transporting directly through the shields and they got their space guns and they they hold everybody up and Tuvok goes to pull out a phaser from behind the console and shoot one of the Napoleon dynamites and it just beeps. And it's like, guys, you're obviously still in a fucking dream. Like someone clue in that when you're fighting with the ultimate psychic dream Freddy Krueger force, like if things don't seem real, if things don't seem like they could possibly be going so bad, maybe just maybe you're still stuck in the game. So they all get rounded up, brought to the cargo bay by the invading Napoleon dynamites. And, you know, like they do some like stereotypical, let's try and escape from this imprisonment stuff where like seven and Harry are going to start a fight with each other. And, It'll distract all the guards and then Chicote and Bolana are gonna like pop open a console and like get them, you know, jailbreak them. Uh but that's when Dream Warrior Chicote sees the moon. Uh he looks at Bolana, figures out he's still in the matrix, taps his wrist. Oh, actually, no, the guys like pop up behind him because now they know that he knows and they try to like grab him before he can triple tap himself out of there. But he pulls it off. And he wakes back up in med bay and the doctor greets him and informs him that he has, in fact, been passed the fuck out for the past 39 hours. And the rest of the crew, despite all of the cocaine he has been distributing, has all fallen asleep. And now they're all knocked out. And the first question I had is. 39 hours, where is all the pee and poop? (laughs) I didn't see a catheter, man. I didn't see a bed. This should just be shit everywhere. Yeah. Just everyone's pants are soiled. It's like stained. It should be nasty. Yeah. It should be nasty. When everyone wakes up out of this, they should be like just computer, put full power to the environmental systems. Get these vents going to full. Purge it all out into space. Maybe like in the twenty fourth century, everyone has like perfect body control. Sure, why not? They're like they're like camels. They just don't, they only have to pee every forty eight hours. That's why you never see bathrooms. Hey, so empirical evidence that the bathrooms aren't there because they don't need them. And that replicated there food just they fought, they farted out. That's all. <laughs> they just chewed it right out. They just use all of the energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is some genetic modification. It'll be good. Here's the worst part of the episode because. The episode explains to you, the viewer, in case you're stupid and you don't see exactly what's going on already, right? In case your grandma or whoever they think they're writing these Star Trek episodes for, which is clearly not sci-fi fans. The doctor and Jakota are like, fuck, we're still in the dream. And uh, it's a shared concept. Con- they even go and say, like, here's here's Janeway's brainwaves. And here's Harry Kim's brainwaves and here's seven of nine's brainwaves. And they're all the exact same chart when you overlay it, because these guys are all in a shared unconsciousness. They're they're trapped in the matrix. Everybody's having a same same dream. And uh, Chakotay, you know, everybody you saw in there, that's all their real consciousness and a shared consciousness. And we now know it. We as an audience understand exactly what's going on. There's graphs. There's learning aids. The doctor and Chakotay have informed us of all of this. So they start getting to work on how they're going to fix this. 
Then we cut back into the Matrix. And everybody's like, how did Chakotay just disappear? He said he was in the dream and tapped his arm and he disappeared. But how could he disappear? Because if this was his dream and we go through like this three minute sequence where we have to rediscover all over again what's going on here. And I'm like, this is one of these scenes is all we needed. It could have been this scene. It could have been the doctor scene. But not both. It does not. We don't need both. Back to back. And also the 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 Janeway crew matrix scene makes them all look so fucking stupid that nobody can wrap their head around this until seven of nine's like, Oh, here, let me give you a metaphor of the way the Borg work. And everybody's like, Oh, now I get it. Like you're dealing with dream aliens. Does not it stand to reason that they would have special dream powers to put people in a collective dream. There's two things you should know about in the Delta Quadrant by now, Voyager. One is crazy, powerful, psychic bad guys, because you run into those once every three episodes, and two, getting stuck in jail. So what's so hard to understand about dream jail? (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Dream jail. That's all it is. Fucking got him. Yeah. Oh, oh, why didn't you say dream jail? Okay. You were talking about the board. All right. All right. Yeah. Tom, Tom, time to time to grind up some more jail skills. This is a new challenge for you. We shouldn't have uh, sent, there was no reason to send Chakotay. Chakotay can't help us. We should have sent Tom. Yeah. A real jail warrior. Uh ultimately. Uh, Chakotay takes the ship to the planet where the, the aliens are sleeping in the real world. It's the stupidest fucking thing. The idea that this, this entire species are all laid out apparently on these fucking slabs of rock. Not slabs of rock. Of it's the fucking floor. They're laying on the floor an inch apart from each other. Chakotay beams down to the surface because his, his idea is like I'm just going to go there and do something and wake everybody up, which is a legit plan on his end. But yeah, they he walks into this cave and they give you this map painting and there's just thousands of dudes laying in the same room. And my question is, why are these guys wearing? They're wearing clothes, they're wearing fancy clothes. How can a species that exists solely in a dreamlike state, a eat? Or whatever. Maybe they're psychic vampires. Maybe that's what's missing from all this. Isn't that they're just like an abused species that's like trying to like protect themselves, but they're psychic vampires. Like, sure. Now it's a better episode. There's a real threat here. Uh, But also they've got like nice textiles and also some super fancy ass fucking psionic energy booster doodad. That's like, yeah, I can't emphasize enough. This this cave has no sign of technology in it. It's just all the aliens laying out an inch apart, as you mentioned, and then they all like they have these perfectly tailored clothes and super science machinery. Like just this one piece right next to them that's that's jail fucking Voyager. It's stupid because there's no explanation of how these guys could possibly work this way. Like at all. There's not like a line. You you just you mentioned the psychic vampire idea. Like somehow that's how they're sustaining themselves. That would be an explanation. Yeah. Right? Like and you know, make the little technological doodad really ancient looking. Sure. Right? Like it's something that was built a long time ago and it's been running for a or long it's time. Magic, whatever. which like, I guess magic doesn't exist in this world. 
stolen tech. Point is, there is a way to do this episode the way it is done and explain these guys in a way that is enough that you could be like, suspension of disbelief is in. We're good. I buy this. Let's you know go. what? Instead, they're like, yeah, yeah, they are just laid out on the let floor. Me make, this is fine. They're all let me make this really cool. Uh, once th- they they were a happy native race of just psychic, really good psychic dudes, and then a bad guy race came along and enslaved them and weaponized them and put these psionic multipliers in so they could like long range attack people. And then they overthrew their oppressors and just wanted to be left alone and got really xenophobic and just preemptively attacked other people because they never wanted to be enslaved again. Great. Uh, Indigenous species on its own, just laying in a fucking cave with nice clothes and, and big tech stupid. Also, if they're doing this to anybody who passes through the, so, so here's the game that these guys run, right? They attack people's dreams. They fool them into coming to what they say is, Hey, leave our space. People are like, we leave your space. And they're like, psych, we brought you back to our home world where you're really close now and we can just get a stranglehold on you. Uh, credit where credit is due. This is the first time in any Star Trek scenario, I believe, where dying, or I'm sorry, any sci-fi scenario maybe, where dying in the dream world does not mean you die in the real world. That's always the rule. Right. That's space juggalo prison and everything else. Yep. Which is another time. I'm going to count that as a, a dream Yes, you've encountered this before. Damn it. <laughs> That's the true. Star. There was well, shared consciousness yes. hell. You know what's going on, goddammit. <laughs> How did we forget that Juggalo Tech was the bridge? Juggalo Tech could have also saved them from this too. Anyway, so uh okay, so so their game is like uh you you trick people into going where they think the exit is. And that's really right next to the planet. Now you've got overwhelming psychic control because of proximity. Um, And then what you're a bunch of dudes laying in the fucking cave. You don't have transporters. Where are all the other ships? There should have been like a junkyard of ships encircling this planet. That would have been cool as fuck. All of the other victims of these space vampires or whatever the fuck the reason for them bringing people in. But instead it's just, a planet that's completely barren of anything. No signs of any of the other people that they've hoodwinked on this. Stupid. Um, Chakotay's like, all right, well, I can't stop this psychic multiplier because it's in a force field that my mega weapon phaser can't seem to handle. And I don't even ask the doctor who, if ever there's a time to have the doctor on a away team mission, right? Because there's the only two people who are awake on the ship. Why would you not? And the, and the threat is, Chakotay, if you go to the surface of this planet where like the psychic danger is the highest, where you're going to pass out, the doctor's like, here's a here's a, a, a hypo spray and it's got some, some super cocaine in it. Super, super duper cocaine. And it'll yeah. zap you right back awake. And he's like, okay, but you need to be careful. Let's keep an open comm line so I can monitor you and like wake you up by voice if needed. Dude, you got the fucking portable transmitter. Like, why don't you go down to the surface and unfuck this? Yeah. Why the fuck is it is the doctor not the person to go or down? Or both of like, them. Oh, hey. Both of them. Well, I understand why, like one of them being on the ship so that they can like act, you know, run the ship away or something or do something different. But if you're going to send someone down to the psychic danger zone where the psychicness is the worst, shouldn't you send the person that that you know is not going to be affected by it at all. You know, the computer construct. 
Now, instead, they send the Dream Warrior, because of course they do. He he goes down, he decides that he isn't going to give himself the super cocaine, and he's just going to, like, give one of the random flunkies there the super cocaine to wake up like one of them, because that's the ticket here, right? Like, he needs them to deactivate the psychic machine. And uh, it, like, bamps one of the guys out of the dream. And uh, eventually, though, Chakotay just, like, passes back out and winds up back in the dream. So he wakes up a rando, holds him at gunpoint, it's like, you show me how to shut this thing off, or I'm going to kill everybody in this room. Or or else, basically. And the guy's just, like, looking at him like, uh, look, buddy, I don't know what's going on here. My name's Jerry, and I just... I'm a shoe salesman or whatever. Like, I don't know how to work that crazy thing over there. I'm I'm not the guy in charge. That's like kidnapping an earth guy and being like, you better turn off all the power at the local nuclear power plant. Like, dude, I, I don't know how to I'm do I'm just that. the guy with the Star Trek podcast. I don't know anything about that. Please quit brandishing your, your pistol at me. Um, But then, yeah, he falls asleep and he gets forced in. Uh, main Napoleon Dynamite's like, oh, look, I have all you now. Main Napoleon Dynamite has really outed himself and the rest of this race as being some real dickheads. Like their game is to, like we said, lure people to this planet. You can't be killed in the dream world. So what they do is just basically tie him up in dream jail so long that everybody just starves to death and rots away, which is a real shit thing to do. And that's, again, why I think it would have been cool to see like a junkyard, a space graveyard of ships and like dead mummified people floating around in them um and chikoke goes well here's the deal uh i told the hologram up on voyager that if i don't return to just shoot a bunch of photon torpedoes down to my location it'll kill me but it'll kill everybody in this cave and that's how we'll free my crew is by committing genocide against all of you guys which seems like super unstarfleet thing to do and going back to the doctor thing like the the real obstacle here is the time crunch. You need to destroy the psychic emitter. It's going to take time. You don't have time. This quick and dirty way is just photon torpedo. But had it been the doctor that beamed down, who knows how much time he could have had to to free that up? And you know, not threatened. They had they they left so, themselves so little time to wrap up this episode that they don't actually like show the response of the alien. Or anything else about the alien after the threat is made. He just he makes just a Napoleon Dynamo like Ugh. Yeah, he just looks nervous for a second. And then Thanks, there's Cap and then there's Captain's log. Hey, now that we're free of uh our dream prison, you know, we've got a new problem. Everyone's got insomnia. And uh they they conclude the episode on a comedy beat of basically everybody waking up and trying to like occupy their time doing something else because they don't want to go to sleep which i thought was like a funny reference for us of the space horror thing right so like this is clear indication that the the uh the psychic drugs that they use the the starfleet antidepressants are are powerful that uh they all have this horrific experience and they're all just like yucking it up as they're dealing with their horrific ptsd of you know almost dying in their sleep from a random bunch of dream thieves what if chakotay had walked into that cave figured out he couldn't bring down the dream multiplier and then just turned the phaser on like wide dispersal and just started like mass stunning everybody <laughs> like you don't need to give people hypo sprays to wake them up you just hit them with a little bit of skin burning and, and that would have been a real 
cheeky way to to resolve that threat. I also want to point out here his order to the doctor was if I don't if you don't hear from me in five minutes, photon torpedo the surface. And the doctor's like, okay, there is no safety protocols on this doctor now. Like, no, no harm. The robotic rules and all that stuff. Firebomb the surface and kill all the civilians. We don't know Dude. anything about these guys. We don't know if it's a goofy government regime and like an oppressed people. Who knows what the fucking deal is? If you don't hear from me in five minutes, start shooting fucking nukes at the circus at the surface and consequences be damned. And the doctor's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, this is the guy who set up uh, a known murderer and terrorist to go through the ship one by one, killing the shit out of the Kazon that had yeah, invaded it because as he part didn't of think a clandestine he, operation. Because he didn't think he could do any harm himself. Clearly the Doctor is capable of doing harm. All the other what-if episodes we've seen where like, uh, Janeway dies a million times and uh, the Doctor murders him and all that other stuff. Like Ever since, was it Dark Projections? Where uh, the Jekyll and Hyde episode? I oh, think yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I don't know I what think, that one was called, but I remember the episode. He had the werewolf But the teeth. space truckers, yeah. I, I think that really marks the end of, like, the do-no-harm doctor, and since then we've got to change, like, yeah, I'll bombard the surface from orbit. I'll nuke it from orbit. Chakotay, sure, it's the only way to be it, sure. It, it is the only way to be sure. I mean, I feel like there's some other crap in here we skipped over that was a pretty big deal, but uh, it's not I don't. Enough, I don't, think, I don't I think we did. I th- I don't think anything in this episode was a big deal. I think it was all pretty bad. Uh, it was a circumstance where the, even the premise just was stupid. It was the, they used Chakotay like he had religious superpowers, which is like some shit we've been talking about for the entire time we've done the show is dumb as hell. Here it is dragged back into uh, the light one more time. And I know. We're all poorer for it. So, uh, what are we watching next week, Peter? Moving on from here. I I, want to say for the record, I don't think this was a terrible episode. And it's because we've had such bad stuff in the rest of the season. Like, I think I would probably give this a C plus, all things considered. Like, it wasn't boring. I don't feel like it was a waste of time. There's some peripheral stuff that's not too bad. The Tom and Bellana stuff didn't make me want to shoot myself in the head. Yeah, it was uh, it was no like day of honor. Yes. Uh it was no uh concerning flight. Uh it was no I'm gonna have to put concerning flight on my wall of shame, aren't I? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Um it it's definitely like not as bad as some of the things that we've seen. Uh but, I mean, was this better than, like, the episode when they faced the serial killer hologram? I don't think it was. I think that episode was better. I like that episode. Yeah. I. Is it better than Nemesis? I, I would put it, like, kind of a little below it, personally. I felt like Nemesis was probably a better episode. Mind you, I liked the way they talked, which probably upgrades it for me. You know, what if uh, you get co-opted here if it was like, we are the aggressive force. I do need to join them. I'm going to be a man of my dreams after all. Uh, all right. Uh, coming from here, we're going to go on to season four, episode 14, Message in a Bottle. This is a moment I've been dreading, Joe. Really? Because I see in the picture 
the doctor, and then I see fucking Andy Dick. Yes! Andy fucking Dick! This, oh, dude. How? How? (laughs) Man, you know, next gen, I can't speak to DS9, but like, you never saw him fucking jam the Harlem Globetrotters into the original series. Maybe they were in the animated series. I don't know about that, but like, they weren't like bringing Johnny Carson on or whatever the fuck Andy Dick's equivalent would have been a like 70s B list. But there he is, the second fucking 90s garbage person they've put in right after Sarah Silverman. Okay, so Sarah Silverman was not famous, remember? Fair enough. Fair point. Fair point. So this it's a little different. Um he uh and this was in the heyday of news radio. So Jerry Ryan's was... big boobs were not enough to pull the season four ratings out of the trash. They had to start bringing in this fucking garbage cat using an alien communications net. Voyager sends the doctor to the Federation ship USS Prometheus only to find out it has been taken by Romulans. So obviously the description spoils a little bit, but uh, this is an incredibly important episode to Voyager's continuity. So this episode is where the, 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 the show kind of pivots towards actually having like an ending, a meta plot. Yes. Or like, here's how they're finally going to get home. Like we're going to finally set up something to work towards for them to get home. This is it. This is the moment. Half of the Um, stuff on this page sounds cool. Alien communications, net federation ship, USS Prometheus. Cool. Romulans, Andy Dick. No. Like, uh, (laughs) this also brings uh, a key Voyager antagonist, a recurring antagonist race into the mix. Is it a race of cloned Seskas? Uh, Definitely not. Pass. Hard pass. Go fish. This is a critical episode, and and as you've seen, it has the clearly the most random person to do a guest spot. The most on undeserving Star Trek piece of human garbage. I mean, Voyager does have just the weirdest, like you said, it it it, it has the weirdest guest stars. It has John Reese Davies, you know. Yeah, it's, but John Reese Davies is awesome. This is fucking Andy Dick. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather has the rock later. I was, was going to say I'd rather have Tom Green, but like I legit find Tom Green funny, so that's not as <laughs> shocking as it should have been. But <laughs> Tom Green would have been amazing on Star Trek. Yeah, you know, you know what? Another, hey, you know what? Discovery, uh, any Discovery showrunners, if you're listening, out there, <laughs> find Tom Green. I'll watch that in. episode. Get him in a short oh, trek. Although, yeah, did you see the uh, H. John the Benjamin's sh- got one yeah. right? I haven't. It's and, some of the tribbles. They straight up made an episode of fucking Orville as a short trek. That's what they did. They're like, Good, you know what? You know what? Orville Orville. Kicked... Let's just do one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, come on. Like, they're finally just like, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. We uh, want ratings. Please give it to us. <laughs> we don't have ants and mount this next season. We're going to have to do something to keep people vested. All right, man. Um, Yeah, I think that's all I've got to say. Indeed. So until next time, thank you for listening to Vigil Please. Hateful Voyage for the Delta Quadrant. See you next week.